Well, welcome to the Mantis Podcast. Today, our guest is Jason Yarusi, a multifamily investor, he founded Yarusi Holdings, and he has over 1,900 doors that he's acquired over the last few years. And today, we're going to get into some of the current events with Jason, and appreciate you being here. Hey, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So, you know, I think the as of right now, it looks like the house is going to go uh, and is going to be flipped and go to the Republican side. So we might have a little bit of gridlock here in D.C. How do you think that ties into you know the, the macro environment of real estate right now? Well, it's still going to take a little way to unwind, right? And so when we look at uh, really the, the lending market, the lending market likes um, comfort, likes consistency, right? They don't they don't like the uncertainty, uh, and so uncertainty pushes the variables and makes it harder on people like you and myself to really lock in where we will intend to be on projects, not only today but it but a few months out, right? And so ultimately, it's just today is going to be uncertain, but likelihood of once we get a decision, we have to allow the few months to happen here where we find some consistency, um, similar like what we had in COVID, right? COVID started out of the gate and when you saw COVID happen, um, just so much uncertainty out there in the markets, uh, you know, lenders were, were pulling back because they just do not like the chaotic approach. But what happens is that if the same happens continually, that we understand of the inconsistencies, then they get used to it and then they come back to the table and start lending again. So the same thing will happen here where is we'll start seeing lenders get more comfortable with the current economic environment. And once they do, they'll come back to the table and won't be so, uh, so much standing on the sideline with their pencils down, waiting to see the dust settle. Dust settle. Yeah, we've seen a lot of the lenders kind of pull back from the market here recently, just kind of taking that wait and see approach. So, what do you see happening with the with the lenders in the next six six months, twelve months? What do you think the Fed's going to do? Do you think we're uh, going to see a couple more interest rate hikes? You know, kind of maybe unpack that for us. What, what yeah, so we definitely will see some more hikes, right? At this point, for them to say, like, we're going to stop will be a very big, big transition. Now, again, you can only take things that they say for it with a grain of salt, right? Because they're trying to, one, um, provide guidance, but also, two, either, either, um, either empower us or punish us right now, trying to punish us, right? In terms of what the words are to try and say, stop, stop going out there, stop being, uh, stop spending, stop doing things, stop growing, right? That's what they're looking for right now. So with that, it's part of their actions and another part of their words. And with their words become powerful is because really they're limited on the options they can do. Right, they they can they can print more money, right? They they're in that part. They can push to have more money print. They can push on change up rates. There's there's few things that can happen right now um, for them to do, minus them to go out there and threaten us with what what their move will be. So we'll have some more rate increases. It will just be how um, big of an increase will it be? We we figure we're gonna have another seventy five, but if we have another fifty, right, and we see a couple fifties coming out there and they start to trail down, or will they keep really um, the the foot on the pedal and really push things um, to a destination here? Now, the hard thing is it's hard to gauge where we have a lot of um, we, we, we have a lot of signals for them that, that are that are either, um, you know, lagging indicators. So for them, it's, it's hard for them to predict what's the right moment. Right. Because that would be the easy thing if they could predict, you know, if I do this, the, the result will be this. Right. So for us, it's trying to understand what they're doing, but then also making a lot of consistent uh, local relationships with local banks, regional banks that uh, we will have a better approach with, at least in the short term, because they're lending more off relationship and their balance sheet and less off all the um, changes that are happening out there in the market. Okay, so, you know, a lot to, lot to go over there. You know, your, your, your local lender is 
probably going to be a little bit more friendly, going to know the market. Uh, what are your, like, what's your approach right now? Are you looking for fixed rate debt? Uh, you know, what, what are the, what's the way to position your assets right now in a, in a way to avoid any more heartache, kind of just hold on, get through this uh, and let, let the market stabilize. What, like, what are you looking for? What loan product? So ultimately with local banks right now, the best case is that we get a five-year term with a potentially a year of IO, depending on the project right now and get amortization out to 25, right? That, that would be our key. That's what we're going for here. And if we look at that, we'd love to get a fixed rate. And that fixed rate may be a little bit higher here than we'd be exposed to on a variable rate. But in the short term, it gives us a good window of 12, 18, or 24 months to be proactive in our decision-making. The big piece of the puzzle is not to have a prohibitive uh, exit from these lenders and where you could lock in other loans, right? Like a Fannie or a Freddie, you know, you, you want to be careful because typically the, the prepayment penalty to exit on the loan, if, if the market changes, right, in, in our favor in the next, you know, 16, 24 months, well, it's going to be hard to get out of that loan. And when it does change, then our ability to go and potentially even sell with an assumption is going to be hard to do because people can go to the market and get a better loan than we have existing today. So what have we learned? I mean, what's the takeaway here? I mean, a lot of people were uh, really enjoying the good times and probably signing up for loans that were maybe a little too aggressive, maybe not paying for that interest rate cap or uh, not fixing their debt. Uh, you know, what, what's, the, what's the takeaway here so that we're prepared and then kind of going forward, is there anything that you could implement or are planning to implement on your new project so that you're better positioned in the future? We've we've always been on the having our head on the swivel with banks. We've worked with a lot of different groups, a lot of different lending groups, because that's what you have to do, right? You cannot assume one lender is going to be the right fit for everything. And so going forward, it's got to be continued on that approach. From a from a learning standpoint, it's honestly always having uh, longer term debt cash flow reserves. If you can if you can model in to have those three and have that be uh, producing on each property, it gives you the best flexibility. But the bigger piece, um, you know, now I've learned this lesson a few years ago is that the, the prohibitive um, exit penalty, right? That That's where you don't want to get tied into now is that if you're going to make a choice and say you can get into a loan and there's two different options, one may be a um, loan with maybe an agency that that uh, is potentially 20 or 30 bips lower in the interest rate compared to a local bank, but that um, but they'll have yield maintenance or, or a large step down. Well, I, I don't want that today. And on the state of projects we're in, because I do believe we're going to see some relief uh, within the next 12 months, maybe, but coming into, you know, 18 months from now, I want to have the ability to get out of the loans I'm in, if it is the right time for the project. Yeah, so, you know, taking that, that prepayment and, and keeping that in mind, are you trading off you're going to trade off for more expensive, more expensive fixed rate debt at this at the moment. Or are you looking for, uh, you know, maybe going lower leverage on new projects? What like what are you doing to to keep it moving forward? Or are you kind of hanging tight at the moment? Uh, no, we, we, there's opportunity out there. So what we are looking at is there's always a trade-off, right? So if you go into a loan and say you go with an agency lender, you're going to get 30 years amortization, right? You'll be able to push in that. You might be able to get exemptions for, for 35. You'll get more IO periods, right? So potentially you'll get 12. You could get up to 60 months or more for IO, right? Depending on the project there. Um, however, on the sound side, you'll have potentially a lower interest rate. So it's going to give help you on that factor. and But you'll have an, a longer term 
term and then pass that, but you'll have a higher prepay or yield maintenance or something that will be a more difficult exit on that loan. With the uh, local lender or, or a uh, community bank, um, you will have fixed rate that will potentially be higher uh, than the agency loan. You'll have usually a shorter term, right? They're probably gonna max out at five years. They might want to go only to 20 years amortization or 25 years amortization. Interest only will probably be capped at 12 months if you get any. Maybe you can stretch that to 18, maybe 24, but really 12 months is probably where, where I could feel safe with. But the exit penalty might, simply be either a fixed a fixed amount or it might just be you know, a point or there might not be one right and so so there there's the opportunities on both sides where you have to look at the risk and reward of both right do you take a lower payment more interest only right now but you're stuck or do you go with a, a local bank where you'll pay a little bit more um you you may amortize a little bit earlier however you do have the ability to to move into other loan products if timing is right or timing comes in our in our favor that's right. Yeah, I think it's it's always important to, to protect the downside and keeping keeping that in mind when you're making those decisions. And I think if you know, kind of breaking that down for us, let's let's uh let's pivot a little bit towards uh, kind of maybe some opportunities that are coming up. And we we were just recently on a phone call uh, with with one of our property managers who shared that uh, they have a property who's got an income of uh, you know let's just for this conversation's sake let's say it's a hundred thousand dollars a month. Uh, and their debt service is now $110,000 a month. So these are really going to be out of whack. Uh, there's a lot of properties that are out of whack on debt service for you know coverage constraints. Mm -hmm. I think the lenders have been a little flexible here, but just because everything's happened so fast. But do you see some of those properties coming into the market as potential acquisitions? Uh, or do you think some people are going to just uh, need to raise more capital? What do you think is going to happen with that? I mean, the banks seem to have a lot of capital uh, to, to kind of keep this ship afloat, but some people might be in trouble here in the next few months. Yeah, and, and well, that's what it is, the next few months, right? Typically, typically, if people are at trouble today, they were already in trouble, right? So so on that fact, they were already in trouble with, with their properties. Uh, so the next few months will say a lot and will also say a lot to what's happening in the economy, right? If we start to see the tide turns and things settle down and there's more opportunistic plays, right? I think the treasuries, um, we just saw the treasuries dip today, right? So if that continues to, to move in our favor, it might... Um, add some breathing room for these properties, but it, but it will happen, right? If you have a real aggressive business plan and the business plan was not able to meet, and you know we we've seen um, a couple months here of we'll say rent dips, uh, and you're not getting the aggressive rent bumps that you modeled in, and you need that to be able to match your business plan. On top of that, the interest rates have risen at a, at a much higher rate, and you're coming into a refinance, and you are modeling a refinance at a certain cap rate that no longer can be met, or you're not even close. Now you're going to be at a certain leverage where you might not be able to get out of your existing loan and you, you will be in that response where you may be forced to sell or, or have to pull in capital one or two. Yep. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see how some of these people, um, you know, play it out. If, if, if they're bringing in the additional capital, if they just don't have the investor base uh, or, or liquidity yep. themselves to, to handle it. I think there's going to be some opportunities there, but they'll probably like be snapped up pretty quickly by some of the groups that are you know higher with uh, better capitalization uh, you kind of alluded to it there with the rent bumps based on uh, just some recent statistics we were doing uh, from the uh, u.s bureau of labor statistics uh, we're still at around 34 percent of the u.s on on housing uh, and, and in renters cases that can be quite a bit more and 
how much further do you think we can run on these rents uh, increasing? Do you think we're going to see it slowing down? Do you think we're going to, you know, maybe be market by market? You know, obviously we have supply and demand to consider in all of those situations, but what do you think is going to be the next, uh, you know, next six months, let's say on rent increases across the board? Yeah, market to market. It, 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 we, we like to look at the things that, you know, across the U.S. as a landscape of, of an opinion. However, market to market is where it's at, right? The, the, the areas that are going to have more fall off is that where there's not big drivers. There's not big jobs. There's not job drivers. There's not job diversity, right? So that's not going to be able to bring income that can sustain, right? Because with the growth is it brings in higher paying jobs, right? Those higher paying jobs can afford, um, you know, higher rent prices. And then it also can match when most of these markets here at a, um, you know, supply constraint on, on housing inventory that will push for the higher rent rent premiums there. But if you go into markets here where um, you, you don't have the job drivers, right, and people are pulling away, we're seeing jobs move out, that's where you're going to continue to see some of this pullback on demand there because people are not going to have the um, desire to continue to push and move to these markets, which was pulling them in because of all the jobs that are available in these markets. So there's uh, quite a few markets across the, across the country that the new home builders are really kind of pulling back on. Uh, they had a you know, really robust, I guess, past, uh, what, five years in these markets. Any, any, uh, any specific markets standing out to you that might look like it have, might have too much supply coming on uh, or something that's going to be overbuilt and maybe put downward pressure on rents or, or sale prices? You know, these aren't markets that I that I focus on, so I'm just going to pass off on some of the, the analysis here. But there's some of the markets that really go out to to the west, right? So our our, our Washingtons, our Oregon's, our our um, our Phoenix and uh, and Arizona markets, right? Where there's just been a huge pull up, right? Where a lot of people are coming from California and now are potentially starting to go back to these cities, right? So those are just some of the markets that have been overheated. Uh, we have uh, markets, um, a lot of Florida markets that have, have um, had a lot of building going on, but Will that runway fall off? I'm not sure about the rental markets uh, and, and for, for Florida, but on the West Coast, um, there's been a lot of um, conversation that we're seeing the biggest uh, dips there, right? The San Jose's, those other pieces here where there were just a lot happening, and a lot of money going into those markets right now. And now from that fact, what happens here, uh, development is that people just uh, stop. Right, they just stop the action. They stop the momentum because they need to things settle out, and, and then the projects no longer pencil out for them to start moving forward at this pace. Makes sense. So you're staying away from certain markets that obviously have those potential, I guess, pitfalls. So where are you looking? What what's the uh, you know what's the the landscape look like for your new investments? Where are you you know kind of macro, maybe micro? Uh, yeah. You know, some of the insights on on what's the next year look like for you guys. So we want to be in more fluent markets, uh, meaning that like sub markets, we'll say that. So we're still very, you know, very honed in on the Nashvilles, on the Atlantas, on, on certain parts of uh, Louisville. But we want to be in better neighborhoods. We want to be in neighborhoods that are not so exposed um, to different dynamics, right? We don't want to be in the in the neighborhoods where you know the, the tenant base is working at potentially maybe a Walmart where they're uh, really exposed to a lack of um, holiday hours that may give them a good bump of income through the holidays, right? But all of a sudden now, if they have that cutback here where they don't have so many holiday hours or something like that, it really hurts them for the amount of income and then that trends for how then they can pay rent, right? So we want to be in better areas where the tenant base is a step up, a more qualified tenant 
base, even if it's more costly of a product, it also has a more sustainable tenant base because that tenant base is not as exposed, right? They have better savings, they have better income, they have more consistency in, in their money coming across and really just potentially better financial wherewithal. So we're talking like a B class, A minus level property. Is that kind of where you're you're looking in, in markets that uh, have strong demand drivers? Uh, Correct. Like uh, Louisville, we we sold out of all of our properties that were in the south side. It was more uh, working class, blue collar neighborhoods. Now our focus is mainly on the east side. The east side uh, predominantly is higher uh, higher income levels, higher medium household income, higher house values, higher all all components there. But it trends to have a better tenant base that's going to have more of a backbone through hard times because they will have money put aside and will have more of a predictable income stream. So you know, multifamilies definitely got a good reputation, but, you know, some of the more, uh, I guess, sexy assets over the past few years have been, you know, the crypto space have been uh, in, in social media companies. And, you know, just recently seeing some of this news um, coming out of, you know, Meta, they're laying off 11,000 workers. They've lost uh, over $800 billion in market cap this year. FTX yesterday uh, sold at a major loss, Sequoia Capital completely marking off that entire investment. Uh, it kind of reminds me of sometimes that some of these maybe a little bit more boring, but sure things uh, might play out a little bit better for investors. Is that uh, kind of ringing true for you in the multifamily and, you know, give us a reaction on any of that, uh, you know, going on in the social media or tech markets. I'd love to get your, your thoughts on what, where you think all that's going to play out. You know, we, we still got a little ways for it to play out, right? I think uh, FTX was one of those companies with uh, Sam Bacon Freed that, that most people thought was in a really good spot, right? Especially how they were doing the acquisitions they were doing it. Just, uh, I believe, we're, we're in the process or it acquired Block 5, right? And to see that happening where all of a sudden, and it was funny if that story, um, um, with, with, I think his name is CZ over at Binance, right? He didn't like that Sam Bankman Freed was saying that uh, um, he was potentially talking bad to him about the, to the Securities Exchange Commission, right? So he didn't like that. So he said he's going to pull out all of his FTT, which was a couple billion dollars worth, right? And so that was that first point, and he threatens to do this. And then that tanks, and there's always fears on liquidity. So everybody starts pulling their money. So there's a big run in the bank. But however, there's no FDIC here with uh, with Sam Bankman Freed. So on that side here, we're, we're with FTX. So on that side, it just crushes it, right? So now they're in a liquidity crunch. They go back to CZ for Binance, who, who they are almost uh, enemies who now have to become friends, you know, friends friends and enemies uh, uh, to, to make an acquisition, uh, which in turn, Binance says, well, we'll, we'll, we'll put a non-binding LOI together, um, come save the day, which settles the market just for them to, to pull out and say, you know what, we, uh, we don't like what it is, meaning that um, honestly, they don't have enough liquidity, right? They don't have enough cash in the bank to be able to pay people back. So scary thing right but that that's the quickness of a of an emerging market right and um a lot which will still unshake and unravel um the the consistency with business plan with with real estate is try to keep a business plan right that's the piece of the puzzle what if you're looking at you know one property to do you know a big flip on another property that you're going to just go and um you know do do paint and carpet another property you're going to do half of it airbnb another property you're going to be on a 20 unit property in some remote area another property um you're going to look to buy a very large property spread across a bunch of duplexes in another market right you're exposed to 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 your business plan right because you because your business plan is not solidified so if you can stay in the approach to stay solidified in markets with the common type of asset with a common time of business plan is going to put you in the best place to succeed because your, your business plan can overlap to other markets, right? You can have that business plan be very honed in so you can find the right team to help you carry out that business plan. 
focus. It really just is about focus. And Correct. You're right. Couldn't, couldn't agree more on the execution side. Uh, yeah. Well, appreciate all the insights today on, on where you're seeing the market. And um, do you have anything else that's going on um, that you would like to share? And where can uh, potential investors reach out to you or sure. uh, you know, people learn about your company? Yeah, I'm sure we'll probably have this conversation in uh, every 30 days for the next little bit and uh, have a whole different uh, take on taking where we stand, right? So, you know, the piece is just just stay calm, make uh, good educated decisions right now, but then react in a way that you need to to pivot in it as needed, right? Um, for investors, you want to talk more, come over and uh, find us at yourusiholdings.com. Uh, reach out to me at Jason at Holdings. Be happy to talk about what we do here in our business and see if we can help you along your investment journey. Um, yeah, appreciate you having me on. Thank you for your time. Hope you have a good rest of your day. Mm -hmm.